Hey, this is Tony Motoroy from XJTalk.com, and I just got through doing a great interview with Dean Murray, and we talked about his highly modified Jeep Cherokee. It's a 99, and well, Dean, tell us, what are we going to hear on this interview? Tony, we're going to talk about everything from interior roll cages and armor and modified axles and more than you can more than you could possibly imagine. So stop on by and take a listen. Excellent. And uh, catch us on the live show, uh, xjtalkshow.com. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully get more from Dean here in the future. But you've got to catch this interview uh, right after the uh, XJ Talk Show. Hey guys, we're doing another interview tonight, and we have uh, Dean. You know him as G, uh, J, excuse me, J Dean Murray from XJTalk.com. He's uh, uh, got a, just an amazing XJ that he has uh, he's built over. Uh, I would assume uh, over the years, but I don't know. Maybe he got real busy on a weekend and did it all. I don't think so. And we're going to talk to him about uh, about him, uh, how he got into XJs, and of course, we've got to talk to him about his uh, highly modified uh, Jeep Cherokee. Dean, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. So first off, uh, you are now uh, in Texas, but uh, uh, you recently uh, moved uh, to, to Texas, uh, at least to the College Station area. Uh, where were you before? You know, I spent the last 15 years in, in Birmingham, Alabama, and, uh, and that's kind of where I you know, planted my roots there and, and learned quite a bit about the off-road community. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had my Cherokee. Before I moved down there, I bought it in 99, um, and I moved down there shortly after from, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So really, my, my entire off-road uh, life kind of existed in, in Birmingham, Alabama, which is basically, uh, as we all know, kind of uh, the Deep South is known for its off-road rigs, and, and, uh, and that's where I picked it up. Oh, man, I bet you fit in well down there with, uh, with your XJ. I mean, it probably was a little small for some, though. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you. I mean, with a lot of the rigs coming out of those custom builders, for sure. <laughs> the the big mud rigs, the the land yachts, I call them. Uh, and I'd don't get me wrong, I'd love to have one. Uh, when I had my my '83 uh, short wheelbase Chevy pickup and the uh, 36 inch tires, it was fun rolling around in that. But as far as uh, going where the Jeep goes, there's no way, <laughs> absolutely no way. But uh, so sure. so you were in uh, down there in Alabama for fifteen years. Uh, moved from up uh, from Pittsburgh, so that had to have been a uh, a huge culture change, going from Pittsburgh to Alabama. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, just the deep south alone, um, <laughs> you know, it just stands out. But uh, probably the the best place I've ever lived was in Birmingham. Um, just an amazing attitude. A lot of free property just to roam around. Oh, I think outside nice. my back door, I probably had fifteen to 20,000 acres of property just to ride around on. And we all know the Deep South is known for its, its uh, sandstone boulders and, and rock climbing and rock crawling. Uh, so it just really gave me an opportunity to cut my teeth, so to speak, in, in the rock, in a rock crawling community. So what have you noticed uh, after you left Alabama and moved to Texas? What's the big difference uh, as far as off-roading goes between Alabama and Texas? Uh, it's actually pretty dramatic. I mean, the, the <laughs> lay of the land is flat, at least where I'm at here yeah. um, in the College Station area. Um, I'm not west enough to uh, experience the hills um, and uh, really the, the loss of all the rock. So it's, it's a, a flat terrain with a lot of mud. There's a lot of mud parks around me, and uh, I don't know that I've encountered one rock 
one boulder you have to, <laughs> have to drive over. <laughs> well, I was thinking where you were going to go with this was when you mentioned the 20,000 acres right across the street. Uh, I've driven uh, through, uh, uh, no, I wouldn't say a lot, but uh, to me, a lot of Texas. And I couldn't believe how much of Texas is fenced in. There, every piece of, of land that you would like to just take off across, there's this big-ass fence blocking you from doing it. I mean, there may be somebody yeah. on there with a shotgun that would keep you from doing it, but you can't even, you know, you can't even get your, your tiptoe on the land because fences everywhere. Everywhere, you know, and that's exactly the case behind me. I live on a couple acres, and uh, right behind my house, I've got another couple acres that my brother-in-law owns. And behind that, we have about 500 acres that the neighbor owns uh, with cattle. And you'd think I could get out and just put around on that every day. I haven't been out on that property once. It's fenced in. And, and you know, of course, I'm not just going to trespass on right. it. But, uh, you know, it, it, that's the main difference is that everybody here owns this property. And, and really, I don't feel like getting shot or shot at. <laughs> you know. Well, the same thing could happen in Alabama, right? You know, and that's exactly true. There's a lot of places that you don't, you know, a lot of dead ends that you don't want to go down because <laughs> you have to come back at it, you know, out that, in that direction. And there's somebody there waiting for you. Uh, you definitely want to know where you're going when you're, when you're driving down those dead end roads. Yeah. When you start hearing the dueling banjos, you know, you've, you've made the wrong turn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably a little bit of a myth, but, uh, Oh, of course yeah, it is, it, but it's, it's fun. It's good, good fun humor. So all you people in Alabama, if I ever show up there, don't, uh, you know, <laughs> don't, don't make a pig, pig squeal. So, uh, how did, uh, why the move to Texas? I, I'm, I'm assuming job related. Uh, you know, it definitely kind of job related, but also just family related. You know, the job that I do is, is involved with real estate. So it really could take me anywhere in the country you oh. know, and I can perform the same job. Sure. Um, uh, and I kind of do that on the side now. Right now, I'm involved with uh, with an outfitting group called Texas Fleet Outfitters, which is a local uh, outfitting group for trucks. And, and we also have an off-road shop as well. So we're installing lifts, and I'm still heavily involved in the off-road uh, community. I, I, I sell lifts and install lifts and top lifts okay. every day, eight hours a day. You're having fun then for a living. Without a doubt, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, real estate can be very, very profitable, but, uh, Ooh, there's nothing like, uh, lifting a vehicle and putting some, uh, big tires on it. Uh, even if it's not yours, just, the the look at what, uh, what it's become. It's just, it's just a lot really, I can imagine. I know when it, it is anytime I've done mine, it's just really exciting. And, and, uh, it, it never seems to, uh, uh, not turn heads. Uh, people always notice it. They may not understand what they're looking at, but they always notice it. Yeah, you got that right. And, you know, being a part of the community kind of legitimizes it all. Um, you know, when someone sees that you have a Jeep yourself, um, it, it really helps them to, you know, understand that you're passionate about it and, and you're going to steer them in the right direction. Well, speaking of being passionate about something, uh, I would definitely say you're passionate about your uh, your Jeep Cherokee because I don't think there's anything that you haven't touched on there uh I, only I, the only thing I can comes to mind is maybe the engine. I, I don't know if you've done anything to the engine yet or not, but uh, I, I don't know where do we start. How did you how did you go down this trail? Uh, pardon the pun with your with your Cherokee as far as highly modifying it. And uh, did it was it was the, it always in the plan to go this far with it, or did one thing lead to the lead to another like it happens with so many of us? 
Yeah, it, that's exactly how it was. And, you know, um, you know, I started just about the same way as everybody else did. I, you know, I, I bolted on a lift kit. I bolted on some bumpers. Um, it started kind of slowly for me. Um, and then eventually I got bit. Um, for me, <laughs> yeah. it, for me, it really wasn't just, uh, you know, like spent a couple thousand dollars and quit. It was redesigned this. And yeah. I found out along the way after the second or third lift kit and the second set of bumpers that I really had a passion for the automotive engineering or design involved. And it's probably something that I should have pursued as a, as a job, you know, choice or career mm -hmm. path in my life. Uh, I really enjoy um, the design of this, uh, you know, almost more so than, than riding. I mean, I, I love to get out and ride, but for me to take something from a blank slate and, and develop something that you really have a, you know, headed towards a plan was, was really the whole, the, you know, the case for this whole thing, uh, you know, was, was developed initially, you know, in my mind. And I, I like to consider myself not necessarily the fabricator of this more so as like the Carol Shelby, just the designer right. of it all. And, and, and to be able to bring from your mind, you know, out on paper and then, and then build these parts was something that I really enjoyed. So it started off slow, like we all do. And then it just really consumed my life for about a total of five years. Wow. So it wasn't a quick build at all then. So I would assume that you'd make a change and you may, uh, you would take it out and do some stuff and go, well, you know, this would work a lot better if I did this, or maybe, uh, this happened and I bet you I could get around this happening again by, uh, changing this out. I guess, one of the things that uh, I was uh, impressed with, I mean, there's there's some people that go to the uh, the uh, the trouble of an internal cage, or maybe even they take it, maybe even taking out the glass. Uh, and uh, but you you actually went back in with uh, with a windshield. I'm forgetting the uh, uh, the type of material that was. It's, is it Lexan? Is that right? It's called Margard Ten, number ten. Margard okay. number ten. So actually swapping out the. Uh, the uh, the glass for uh, something that is uh, you could uh, take off and uh, run around with uh, with nothing in front of you or putting something up there in front. I mean, you went to a lot of detail uh, in doing these things. One of the things I noticed was um, the uh, the doors. I mean, of course, you took the doors off, but you you were, you kind of uh, skinned some doors for the uh, for the back doors, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know that was something that I had. Um, I guess I, I kind of thought about lightening up this vehicle. So it was more responsive in the bumps at speed. One of my passions in driving is crawling, but it's also kind of a rally style, you know, you know, flying between the trees, cutting the rear end loose, getting a little drift going. And the more weight that you have on this vehicle of unsprung weight, the heavier it's going to be, the less responsive it's going to be. So skinning these doors, building a, a five sixteenth round bar uh, door frame to attach them to was something that kind of uh, was part of the lightening up weight, you know, and I contribute a lot of the success of that build to, you know, a number of individuals that really helped me kind of bring this to light. You know, I could go through a lot of names, but uh, I guess one of the main uh, group of people in the, in the, in the South was from a company uh, a fabrication garage by the name of the off-road connection and everybody in this, in this place um, from uh, Josh Sanders and Keith Bailey, 
some of the staples in the community down there really spent a large portion of their time helping me to bring these things to light. And, and, uh, and one of their creations was to, to make these doors and skin them. And, uh, and uh, we had it fabricated. Um, I'm sorry, we also had uh, some upholstery done for the, for the windows as well. Um, I know I have uh, uh, a video out on this, so it's probably something best uh, just left at that, you know, maybe to uh, spend a couple of minutes to view that, you know, instead of just, you know, uh, killing 30 minutes on these doors, because I, I could spend so much time on each individual part. No, you know, no problem. And it's funny because when you, when you mentioned earlier, there's not much left untouched. I think the only two things that I can think of that are not touched in that vehicle are the center console and the gas pedal. <laughs> That's probably the only two items that are left untouched. So basically what you're saying is uh, the Jeep designers did uh, two things right. <laughs> uh, I, I thoroughly believe that that was a good platform to, uh, to begin with, and I think I got lucky um, with that vehicle, if it would have been something different other than a Jeep, um, it definitely wouldn't have turned out as well as it did. Yeah, Jeeps sure. Jeeps are amazing things. It's the Swiss Army knife of the uh, the off road community. Um, now, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so you uh, you actually I, I misspoke. I was just pulling up some pictures here, uh, which there are are numerous pictures of uh, of this uh, this build uh, online, uh, and of course the YouTube channel that uh, Dean mentioned, and we'll uh, give you the exact exact youtube coordinates uh, here towards the end of the uh the interview so uh anyway i i was just noticing that you really uh you have uh, front and back doors that are skinned uh, half doors um so uh I, I would assume uh not looking at the not seeing the picture that i'm looking for that you don't have any back seats so what you have here is a, a two-seater right that is correct you know um actually the hood as well is skinned it's on four, it's on five hood pins there's no supports under it. There's no hinges under it. So, um, basically you're talking about, um, I don't know how much weight was cut between the hood, all four doors, and even the hatch has been gutted. It does go on as one piece, but there's no glass. Right. So, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds. Oh, I, I bet I, you really did, uh, shave off a lot of weight. Uh, at least, uh, uh <laughs> got it balanced out with the, uh, the additional weight of the bumpers and the tires and the wheels. So, um, the, uh, like I mentioned internal roll bar, I would assume that's a custom that that's a full roll bar. It looks like it goes all the way up to the front, across the dash, uh, even some protection there on the, uh, for the, uh, driver and passenger, uh, on the sides. And, uh, uh, you got a completely custom dash as well, don't you? Yeah, that, that, that cage was built, um, by that local fabrication shop. It's a, it's a six point, uh, it's a one and a three quarter inch uh, HRU MIG welded cage, um, and it is tied down to the frame. I have the frame supported from tip to tail um, with all the subframe supports. So the, the the sandwich plates of of the bottom of the cage go to the frame itself, um, and then the actual frame, I mean the actual cage, is then tied into the body with reinforced dimple die and reinforced plates at like 15 different places Wow! because the further that you get away, uh, IE the cage on the top of your roof from, from the base, the further it wants to flex from the body. Um, and you have to tie it together so that they all kind of interact as one. Um, and that cage was completely custom made. Um, 
it's uh, it was a nightmare to get <laughs> a full 360 degree weld on this, sure. and it was a nightmare to paint. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Now uh, you also have uh, some uh, sliders on there. I would assume that your sliders are tied into all this as well. Yeah, exactly. In fact, um, two or three, I think four of the tie downs for the cage are tied to the slider and then the rear um, down points on the cage, kind of a modified C, D pillar down point that's tied in just to the frame itself. So yeah, it's important to make sure that you get a good base before you even go as far as to build a cage. I mean, otherwise, you know, if you're just going to, if you're just planning on tying the frame into the cage into the subframe, you might as well plate it first. Uh, otherwise, you, you're really starting from the wrong place. So uh, my advice to anybody that's going to, you know, think about building a cage, whether it's an interior, exterior, or a hybrid, would be, you know, first start by reinforcing your subframe. Right. Well, and you got to yeah. stiffen things up, especially if you're going to be going off-road and doing all the twisty stuff. I mean, uh, I, on most of these shots, you don't have the the back hatch on, but... Uh, I would imagine uh, you don't have much problem with uh, twisting uh, this, uh, doing articulation and, and still opening and closing that back hatch. It, uh, I would th- I would think this is very stiff and uh, maintains its uh, uh, its uh, general shape whenever you're twisting off road. Yeah, without a doubt. And the first thing you notice when you do all this um, is that your suspension now reacts a lot more. And that it kind of what that does is it's like wow my my body was really flexing a lot and when you when you stiffen it up with the cage the sub uh, the subframe stiffeners um, you do realize wow my my body was flexing there's no noise anymore um, the suspension has to react a lot more now mm-hmm. uh, and and it, it really you know lengthens the time of uh, the lifespan of your of your vehicle you will notice cracks. Um, uh, a lot of the notorious places are in the upper right-hand, left-hand corner of the hatch. Um, a lot of the door sills are, are where they're cracking. So, uh, you know, do this as early as possible if you plan on, uh, you know, wheeling your rig for, for a lifetime. Otherwise, you know, what, five, six, eight years, and next thing you know, you're, you're scrapping it. Right. So uh, I noticed that, uh, at least in the picture I'm looking at, you're still running leaf springs on the back. It, was there any uh, desire to go with coils and uh, long arms uh, for the for the rear? I, it was something I that I was thinking about, and then I realized that you know a a full rock crawler would really benefit most from a long arm uh, coilover suspension, allowing the unit to uh, keep a tire on on the ground at all points in time. The traction equals a better crawling. But you know my my big passion is that speed through the woods. Um, and I think a leaf spring tends to track better. The rear end is, is more predictable. Um, and, and when you cut it loose, you can, you can predict the behavior of that rear end more with a traditional leaf spring. Uh, I do have it modified with, uh, the shackle relocation kit, which kind of keeps a flatter spring in the back. Uh, and it allows more droop to occur and more up travel to occur. So, and in short form, I, I will keep the leaf spring simply because I'm I am addicted to, to cutting that rear end loose and uh, and and knowing where it's at. Yeah. Now I did notice that on the uh, the side of your Jeep you have JeepSpeed.com there, so that uh, definitely uh, tip of the hat to the uh, the interesting going off road uh, fast off road rather. 
you know, I, I definitely uh, follow that a lot. Um, I kind of admire those guys. I think there's a lot more involved in that team and the, in the, in the, you know, in the amount of time involved and attention to keep one of those rigs running um, through the season. Um, and even though this is not a race machine, uh, it is a race inspired trail rig. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really nothing like um, being able to get into something like this and just, it, it's a, it's a, it's a video game, a, yeah. it's a live video game. And, uh, and it, it, even though it wouldn't pass race spec, on a lot of, you know, in a, in a lot of circumstances, the cage and the extra modified this, that, or the other. Um, it would be interesting to get out in one of these open classes and just see what I could do. Uh, I, I do know that, um, that through some of these jumps, it, it, you know, people don't realize that, you know, you really have to, uh, to build your rig and, and you know, extra good sturdy to handle these jumps. And I, I'm not prepared to jump this vehicle you know, even though on occasion I might get a little bit of air. Right. So uh, that's an interesting thing. Uh, I think we all know that uh, you shouldn't jump your, your Jeep Cherokee unless you want your uh, your Dana 30 to smile at you afterwards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, what axles do you have on your uh, on your uh, uh, Jeep XJ? Yeah, I run the stock axle housing. So it's a 30 front and an eight and a quarter rear from Chrysler. Amazing. Um, that's everything. great. Yeah, you know, and I... I got lucky. I've got the oversized 44 joints from the factory. Everything else in these axles is completely um, aftermarket and, and custom. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm running chrome ollies and I'm running Yukon super joints in the front and 456 uh, Yukon gears. I have the uh, worn lockout hubs for the front. So I'm running a 30 spline, um, 4340 uh, uh axles in the front mm-hmm. and then I'm running uh, Mosier 29 splines in the rear. Um, it's a Detroit four ca- full case locker in the rear. And then I have uh, a uh, Yukon, I'm sorry, I have a uh, ox locker in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like the selectability of oh, the yeah. ox locker. Um, I'll be honest with you, if I rebuilt the rear end, I would go with an ox locker in the rear as well. Yeah, uh, that was a hard, a hard choice for me. ARB was uh, was high on my list, but uh, looking at the the cable, uh, I like that mechanical connection that you can literally you know move the lever and you're locked or unlocked. Uh, but ultimately, I I went with the ARBs that are still sitting here behind me on the floor <laughs> that that I need to get installed. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, so uh, yeah, very good choice. Yeah, I, they, they seem to be great, and there was no way I was going to spend a thousand dollars. I fortunately I got them. Uh, for about five hundred a piece, so I got a thousand dollars worth of lockers, but that'll take care of front and rear. Um, just got to get them in there. I'm running four fifty sixes like you uh, as well. Boy, it's a lot of fun uh, driving that thing. Gas mileage isn't isn't as good as it could be, but it's uh, it's fun on takeoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's peppy, isn't it? Yeah. And you know the benefit of a fifty six four fifty six is that you're you're deep enough in the gears where you get that peppiness, like we were saying. But you know. It, when you run a 488, which is the deepest you can go in those 30s, mm-hmm. uh, you know you do run the risk of a smaller pinion gear, um, which is, is is very notorious for um, the most vulnerable part, or the weakest link of that. So I, I kind of chose to stay with the uh, with the 456. Sure. Have you uh, have you gotten any in, into any situations? Uh, I guess maybe during the build of the axle. I don't know if you did all all at once or, or, or uh, piecemealed it like most of us do. But have you gotten to the situation where you uh, get into uh, deforming 
the uh, the pumpkin, the differential housing, because of the torque that's being applied? No, I you know I, I don't think anything has occurred. I've checked uh, I've checked everything like you know from that to the warpage from uh, from jumping it. So um, oh, you know yeah. the seas bending. I've checked everything I could. Um, I do have a custom truss on the eight and a quarter in the back to prevent anything from from bending there. Um, I do not have the front trust yet, uh, and I don't have the seas gusseted. Um, so, you know, I still am mindful of that. You know, it is a 30. Uh, I believe that the weakest link in that is probably either the ring gear or the drive shaft joint. Um, so, you know, we're not driving bomb-proof vehicles. You need to be aware of that and, and mindful of the gas pedal uh, when, when you're driving these, mm-hmm. uh, especially when, when that front end uh, bounces around, you need to come off that gas and, uh, or if you're, you know, slightly catching a little bit of air and I'm not saying jump your vehicle by any means, but, um, you know, you can go out and have fun, but you know, these are notorious. If you don't sleeve the, the axle housing, if you don't gusset the seas, you will bend this, you will break your axles. There's really no way around that. Right. And, of course, uh, as you uh, strengthen things, I think everybody's aware you're just moving the weakest link someplace else. And it's possible you can get that weakest link all the way to the driver's seat. (laughs) So it's... uh, If it's not if it's not this, it's something. Uh, so uh, yeah, you just try to, to build your your rig the best way you can, uh, and and not uh, be the cost of a uh, a nuclear uh, aircraft carrier. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you know the limitations of your rig. You know what you can get away with, and that's part of the fun of going out and finding out uh, what you can do and what you can get away from. So D- Dean, this is this is really completely off topic, but you've done a lot of design here on this rig. One of the things that I'm uh, I'm curious about we see armor we see uh, body armor for uh, all kinds of jeeps and, uh, and off-road vehicles uh, you have uh, the uh, the rear armor with uh, the protruding uh, handrail great for handicaps that might want to be drug along I guess uh, <laughs> keeps the nasty stuff off the bodywork uh, but uh, I, I very seldom see any actual armor any body armor on the doors you, you know you'll see uh, quite often, somebody that's gone off road and they've got a nice branch uh, gouge uh, through the door. Why is it that nobody ever puts any armor on the doors? Yeah, you know, that's a good question because that panel in the back, that coffin rail panel um, in the back, and then my my front fender are as high as it would be if it were to continue across and be on the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I it, it feels as if at some point in time, you've got to quit somewhere or else you're just going to have a tank, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, and then sometimes, you know, I really like to almost, sometimes I like to get out and hit trees because I have the armor to do it. And mm-hmm. then sometimes I, you know, rub against the rock because I've got this, the, this rub rail there. Uh, and then sometimes I like to really drive with perfection. Um, but I think ultimately the answer is one availability and two, just a, a matter of, you know, power to weight, you know, you really can't just build this thing to be a tank. Right. Yeah, that's true. Now, uh, have you done anything to the, uh, to the motor? And I'm, I'm hoping to God you've got the, the Jeep, uh, 4.0 liter in there, the, the trusted workhorse of the, of many Jeeps actually. Yeah, I do. I have the inline six. It's the original one. It's probably got 230,000 original miles on it. I've got the AW4. 
Um, I've done a couple of things to it. I've swapped out the injectors. Uh, I've got a Jeepers and Creepers 62 millimeter board, you know, throttle body. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a cold air intake, which actually runs through the dash, through the bulkhead, uh, of where the blower motor was. So the intake actually is at the floor of the passenger. Gotcha. So you can hear that suction occurring when you, when you run it. Um, other than that, you know, I've, I've removed the mechanical fan, so I'm running two electric fans. I've removed the air conditioning. I've got a high a high amp alternator from PowerMate Wrangler. Um, uh, you know, I've got not, really not a different fuel delivery system, but I've just monkeyed around with some of the uh, the the fuel delivery hoses. I've got like some A and N fittings up there, or A and fittings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I used to have an MSD uh, soft tab box on there. Uh, I didn't really notice any any gains from that, other than being able to um, insert a different soft tab and and, and lower your uh, your limiting uh, your rev limiter. Um, the mo- the motor is torquey, and it really is that way because the vehicle is light, and um, I've I've kind of really designed myself a little torque monster. Because it, I probably cut from the interior, the carpet, the glass, and the doors. I don't know, eight hundred. I don't even know, eight hundred pounds. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, the thing probably it probably weighs thirty seven hundred pounds right now. Maybe maybe thirty six. Um, With those four fifty six gears, I bet you that is a blast running around and making sharp turns. It's a blast, and that's why I say it's like a video game. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it can handle what you throw at it. It just, it just, it wants to eat those trails up. It loves it. Yeah, uh, it's it's an amazing vehicle. I'm uh, I'm really surprised how I lucked out uh, uh, getting uh, getting the the ninety eight that we have because I bought mine new. Uh, I'm assuming you got yours uh, off Craigslist or someplace. No, no, no. I got mine new from a lot in Pittsburgh in 1999. Ah, nice. And that also yeah. answers the question that it's a, a 99 uh, year, which, uh, as we all know, is the best year. Uh, the, uh, the second best would be the 98. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got, the, it's got the larger intake on it, the larger plenums on it. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I, 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 I've cleaned up the intake on it. Um, I don't have any, uh, any of the emission control. You know, and I, another unique thing was I took the intake, and uh, for all the uh, brake boosters, I don't—I have manual brakes now. Anything that was drawing a vacuum off of this, um, I removed and saw if it messed with the idling. Uh, I don't suggest that you just go and remove everything from your intake that has a vacuum draw, but I found out that you know uh, anything like the emission control, the brake booster things that I were going to remove, I didn't want to just put a rubber cap over that, that nipple that was on there and have an unsightly uh, intake. So I removed it and had it, it welded up. And, and uh, it's really clean now. It's a, it's a great approach um, to that. And then I have a set of uh, Gibson headers on it as well. Um, and so, you know, the motor sounds, it breathes well. It sounds great. Um, and, and, you know, there's a couple of pictures I have posted where uh, – I even say to myself, wow, this thing is just, it's just beautiful. The mm-hmm. batteries are relocated in the back. So you've got really not even this extra weight that's hanging over the front axle. It's very, very light. Um, the winch up front has a synthetic line. So, you know, as much weight was removed over that front axle um, as possible. 
Now on the dash that you that you built, uh, you, am I looking at this correctly? You have a a, a video display in the dash. Yeah, that's just a, a little LCD monitor. You can plug in um, your your phone. You can plug in anything really. It displays uh, videos and okay. And, uh, I thought maybe it's you, not a GPS. Or no, I was thinking maybe you had uh, some cameras on there to show you what was going on in the front uh, of the vehicle, where you could uh, <laughs> use that for. Uh, I mean, I know it wouldn't be as good as a spotter, but uh, at least you'd be able to see rocks and things coming up, which would be less of an issue here in Texas, I'm sure. But maybe a gator. You'd know if you're coming up to a gator here in, uh, in the, <laughs> sure. the mud pits of Texas. <laughs> there's a there's a couple people that have placed uh, that I know of in the, in south in the south that have placed the, uh, the monitors underneath so they can spot themselves. And it's a good idea. I can come back to it. I've got a couple inputs on there. Um, you know, I want to keep it as clean as possible. I've got four gauges on the dash. I don't have a fuel gauge. I've got a water temperature, a voltmeter, an oil pressure, and a trans temperature. Mm -hmm. I don't have an RPM. I don't have a miles per hour. I don't know how fast I'm going. I don't know how much fuel is in there. Um, just the necessities. I wanted to keep it clean. Um, that dashboard was a product of that cage, of what that cage allowed me to do. Mm -hmm. I had I had an idea um, once again. And there's another video of of um, me building a a mock-up of that dashboard out of FedEx boxes and uh, and in like little wooden dowels. And I remember running around for three or four weeks to make sure that that thing was way the way I wanted it. Uh, and if you look at that mock-up video and then look at my dash, you'll notice that there are only two things changed. So I nailed it first try, um, and then I transferred all these panels over to uh, to sheet metal, and we cut them out. And I had uh, the opportunity to have uh, one of the best dashboard creators, in my opinion, in the South, um, Wayne Howes, build this for me, uh, and I watched him do it right in front of me. And I'm telling you, uh, it probably, in my opinion, was. Uh, one of the best dashes that they put out of that fabrication shop in, 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 in a lot, you know, three or four years. It's, it's a work of art. It's covered with, um, with 3M's black uh, carbon fiber wrap. So it just, it just has enough glimmer to it. When it, when it comes alive at night, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> That's great. Now uh, I can't help but notice that you're uh uh, well, I guess I was going to say the main color of the Jeep is red, but I guess it could be argued that it could be uh, equally black and red. Was red the original color of your 99? Yeah, it is. It's the original color. Everything else black was, um, was brought in just to kind of accent it. Mm -hmm. You know, I did the, the hood just like everybody else in a flat black to keep the, the reflection of the sun as you're coming at it down to a minimum. And then uh, just kind of followed the body lines as everybody else did, and just uh, just put a black vinyl stripe or painted it uh, in black paint. You know, I use rattle can. I don't. I don't believe in a powder coating. Oh, yeah. um, powder coating is a problem I, when you rub it off. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people spend time and money to do that, and it's great until you really get out there and realize that um, I can't repair this right now. So you know, black rattle can paint. Uh, is the way to go. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you have a really sharp looking rig and if uh, anybody doubts what you can do with, uh, with rattle can, they should uh, have a, a long look at, uh, at your Jeep. 
So the uh, I noticed that you've got some uh, dimple dye uh, holes in the in the hood. Was that uh, uh, to get the heat out? Was that to uh, reduce uh, uh, the potential of overheating off road, or uh, just for looks? It, it's probably a combination of both. The heat, for sure. Those those holes are designed specifically for fast and slow speeds. I remember watching a. Uh, not a video, a small blog entry from Go Jeep, mm-hmm. that Australian blog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he ties some small strings to his hood and drives at different speeds to see which strings were agitated. And I remember seeing the front ones were agitated at a certain speed and the rear, the rear strings were agitated at another speed. And then I just took that information and, and uh, laid out a design that would best suit that hood um, and then went and dimple dyed them. You know, of course, dimple dyes. Once you drill a hole in that hood, it becomes Swiss cheese, and that you have to dimple dye it to kind of bring that strength and rigidity back to it. Mm-hmm. And that is the original hood, right? That's the original hood. Everything on this is the original part. I mean, really, um, I, I can't say that completely, but the, the panels that you see, the axle housings that you see, uh, they're the original pieces, yes. Okay. So uh, earlier when you said you skinned the hood, uh, I took that to mean that there, was, um, there wasn't much left there of the hood. Maybe it was uh, uh, something that was com- manufactured completely separate from the original hood. What did you mean by skinning the hood? When you open your hood, there are reinforcements that are in the shape of an X underneath of that. Right. Okay. And you have the hinges, the, the block that the hinges are on. Everything kind of provides rigidity to that hood. When you remove them, your hood wants to taco. Right. So we put a piece of 5 inch round bar in the front, welded up in there, so that when I took it off, it wouldn't taco. Yeah, so you're talking right. about this hood being as thin as the skin on the door. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to it. Yeah, you, there's you, no you, reinforcements. You moved a, removed a lot of metal to make it lighter, and then you put some uh, uh, lightweight material in there to so it would uh, be able to hold its shape when you took it off. And that's the reason why you don't have it lifting off of the hinges. Also, with the weight savings of removing the hinges, uh, that's why you've got yeah, it. Where- exactly. It's on, the, it's on five hood pins, three across the front and two across the back, and it takes two people. Uh, and we pick it up and we walk backwards and put it on the roof of the machine. Do you have anything uh, set up? Uh, the, the, the thing that would worry me about that, that configuration would be an engine fire and getting to it. <laughs> Do you have anything set up so you can hit a button and uh, uh, no, no. flock the um, inside of the engine? <laughs> no, I don't. And, um, you know, that's always a concern of mine. I remember um, years ago a, a fan relay the, the fan one time caught a strap, a mounting strap, and uh, it lit the relay on fire, and, and my Jeep did have a um, under-the-hood fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was fortunate enough at that moment to pop the hood and, and suppress the fire with a fire extinguisher. Please make sure you make that investment. Oh, uh, yes. It, it, for the simple you know, $40 for uh, an ABC uh, extinguisher, you can uh, salvage your machine. Um, but, uh, that is a current concern of mine. If fire isn't a concern of yours, then, um, don't modify anything because, uh, uh, you, you, you really need to keep that on the forefront of, of safety. I have two extinguishers 
if something does happen, my plan would be to attack it through those, um, those dimple dyed holes, uh, do the best I could. Um, and I, I would just rip that hood off, uh, with, without any disregard and just take care of the fire. It, it, if it got to the point where it was out of control, then I, there's nothing I could do. About right. It. Uh, make a, make a short video. Um, so, um, <laughs> oh, I remember I was going to ask you about, uh, uh, differential, uh, um, what do you call it? The, uh, the thing that goes over the pumpkin, uh, the cover, do you, did you do anything different with that? Uh, what, what direction did you go on those? On the rear, on the eight and a quarter, it has a rubber plug and I welded in a, um, a Dana 44, uh, uh, threaded plug. So, um, because it always leaked on me. Oh, so yeah. we just weld. So we weld one of those in. I think I have some pictures on that. I, I maintain a blog and it's, it's pretty easy. There's a table of contents. You can. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, so just the stock differential yeah. cover then? Yeah, it's the stock cover. Um, we just, we, we cut a hole in it with a, with a, a hole saw mm-hmm. and, uh, cut a hole in a, a, a Dana 44, uh, differential cover. And then just, just welded that, that plug right in there. Um, it's really kind of an easy mod to do. And it, uh, it just gets rid of that, that rubber plug. That's eventually going to just fall apart. You're sure. going to lose it on your desk. I don't know, you know, Oh yeah. but of course the, the front diff cover is, is that ox locker, which is literally the most bomb proof cover that I have ever seen. So the, um, the, the ox locker comes with a cover or do you have to buy that separate? No, you, it's part of when you, when you buy the manual, uh, cable lock, it's integrated into the cover. Ah, so did not yeah, know that. It, okay. Yeah. That's how it enters the diff. So, um, when you remove it, it's kind of tricky. Uh, there's a fork that goes over the locker, um, and that, when you remove that cover, you not only feel the weight of it, but you see the <laughs> milling. The the milling of that cover is amazing. It's a piece of art. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's great. So, uh, I was going to say, I, I hope you hit something up front that was a little beefier than stock. I I, I would assume that there's uh, not too many things. You don't go f- too fast backwards, so you probably don't need to worry about uh, damaging the the rear diff. But uh, just curious. It's it's well. Fun. There's a poison spider cover on that as well. For, um, it's not a full cover, but it, it at least is, um, it's a vertical cover that covers the gear pattern. So right. yeah, I've got that one as well. Right. Well, excellent. Oh, uh, and, uh, is that, uh, real bead locks, uh, or, uh, faux bead locks? Oh yeah. They're full 32 bead, uh, 32 bolt, um, single bead locks without a doubt. And I take advantage of it every time I ride. Um, I don't think I ever ride above five pounds, oh, okay. um, you know how they say the first 10 pounds you drop below 30 doubles your footprint. I've probably quadrupled my footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, and lowering the pressure on your tires is the first stage of your suspension. It's the first part that hits the rock. If you can prevent your suspension from reacting because your tire is just mushing over it like jello, then your suspension never reacts and then you never feel it. Um, and not only does it give you a better footprint and better traction, but it's the first part of the active suspension. Um, imagine not lowering the air pressure and and running over at 30 pounds and you bounce off everything. I don't care how soft your suspension is. It's not going to be able to react to 
to 30 pounds of air in a tire. Right. So a uh, little off the uh, off topic here, uh, have you seen the, the new wheels and tires that are coming out where they are airless? They just have plastic fins, and uh, those plastic fins will move and react with uh, the road or the obstacles. Uh, so basically what you wind up with is just a, a rubber band of rubber that has the tread <laughs> and this wheel. I that, have. Okay. So, you know, they were looking I, at them in the mil- military, and I thought other than not being able to change – um, the flexibility, basically, you know, imitating the airing down of the tire. I thought this was a wonderful idea. Uh, you know, and maybe in the future they would come out with some that would uh, be more akin to off-road, as in airing sure. down. But uh, yeah, you know, I think you're right. I remember the military testing those, and and you know what, you're you're right. All they need to do is soften the fins or put less of them in, and then next thing you know, you're you're running at, you know, similar to. 10 pounds of air. I mean, you could probably predict that. Yeah. It w- wouldn't look as cool on the, on the rig as the, the metal things do. Uh, and certainly without the, the bead locks on there, but boy, what a cool idea where you don't have to worry about airing down or airing up or, or losing air in a tire. And you know, if you're running from the police, uh, the spike strips aren't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, that's a great thought right there. Um, I don't know that, that, uh, yeah, that, that's a great one. Um, you know, I'd do anything I could, and I'd definitely take advantage of that when those tires are available. Um, balancing 32 bolts um, that are definitely not uh, balanced, you know, just by the nature of a bolt. Um, I don't try to balance my tires, by the way. This is an off-road rig. This is not a street riding rig. Um, but if you do have bead locks, and a lot of them are not DOT approved, though, by the way, um, if you do and you're trying to balance them, good luck. So if the minute these tires come out that you're talking about, um, I'll take advantage of it myself. Yeah, I was really, really excited about that. It was probably 10, 15 years ago when I first saw something about them. And, uh, you know, we still don't see them yet. But there's a lot of, lot of uh, money invested in the, uh, the tire manufacturing process that, we, that, we, uh, that the, the industry currently has. So I'm sure they're not interested in uh, uh, switching uh, too quickly. Um, so speaking of tire balancing, uh, have you, uh, seen or, uh, maybe even done it yourself, used, uh, beads inside the, the tire to let it dynamically balance as it spins? I don't, I have that. I use that a lot for my customers that are running on the road. A lot of the people that I know that are, uh, lower speed crawling competition, you know, competitors will put sand or water, um, it's it's really up to you. I don't know that anybody's got any, if there's any science behind that or there's any kind of uh, statistics that prove one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do. I think the water mentality is to make your tire heavier so that it weighs itself down. Um, uh, but as far as balancing is concerned, yeah, I've, I've, you know, there's a lot of those beads out there and I've, I've helped out a lot of customers um, by, by, you know, installing those. So I think that that's, that's a good way to go. So the beads do work then? Yeah, they definitely work. Um, a dynamic form of balancing. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're running a beadlock, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to get it through tire weight. Uh, you may get it that day, but the minute that you, um, you, you know, you air down or something, uh, you know, this thing's not that they'll shift on you, but, you know, you're throwing 32 bolts around the, the, the diameter of that wheel, uh, the circumference of that wheel, that you, 
you practically it's practically impossible to balance that. Uh, you know, and probably what I, has I, I a, really do. It probably has a lot to do with why it's not DOT approved. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I don't believe that they they consider that safe, even though um, it's definitely less vulnerable to popping off the bead than it would be, uh, you know, like an internal bead uh, seated in there. I don't know why they're not DOT approved. I know a lot of police officers don't even know what to look for uh, right. or, or wouldn't say anything. But, uh, yeah, th- a lot of them aren't. Yeah. So uh, the uh, I'm going to say, say this wrong. Is it Stan or Stan, the, the internal uh, bead locks, the basically uh, the inner tube type thing? Um, I believe those are uh, DOT approved, and they also grip both sides of the, uh, the, the wheel, not just the outside of the wheel. Uh, do you ever use those? They seem to be kind of an expensive uh, uh, alternative, although beadlocks, uh, traditional beadlocks, are pretty expensive too. Yeah, I've seen those. It's kind of the it's kind of the uh, it's 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 an additional piece that goes in there. I know what you mean. Um, I don't know the manufacturer's name, but um, I'm not a big fan of uh, an inner bead, um, especially if it's uh, another ring. They're they're nasty. They're hard mm-hmm. to. Uh, they're just notorious for being a pain in the butt. Um, I don't know a lot of people that break that inner beat off of, and I do know a lot of rock bouncers, people that, that, that throw these 44s around uh, with a thousand horsepower uh, rigs. And I, I can't tell you that I've seen uh, more than two or three ever break an inner bead. Wow. So there you go. I don't go. know why that is though. Yeah. So there you go. Also, the beadlocks, uh, the traditional beadlocks, just look badass. And, and, you know, if you've got an inner tube inside there, nobody knows it's there. That's, you know, there's no fun in that. <laughs> All right, no, without Dean. a doubt. I mean- All right, Dean, I was just going to say, uh, I think uh, if uh, I think we've covered about everything here, I'm sure we've left out a bunch of things. Oh, uh, I do want to, <laughs> I do want to ask one thing. I see a total lack of, uh, a lot of bright lights uh, on your rig. Is there uh, a mentality for that? The, not interested in going off uh, uh, night wheeling or uh, don't care for the uh, uh, the additional power draw? Are you just uh, not into the LEDs? No, I have the power to do it. I have I run dual Optimus. I have a great opt, um, alternator. Um, I run a 12-inch a um, LED on the front, a dual row. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, um, I have rock lights that are not LED. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'll just be straight up honest with you. I find it rather annoying to have <laughs> all these lights, especially if you're behind me, uh, and I yeah. got to sit in there and look at a 50 inch light bar, uh, for a two hour ride. I'm, I'm probably going to get out and, and either say, Hey, you know, get ahead of me or, 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 uh, you know, kindly, Hey, you, you mind, uh, turning it down a little bit. <laughs> take a picture. Um, <laughs> take a picture to last longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be, to be honest with you, I haven't upgraded my headlights either. If I could find a headlight bulb that would be as bright as a candle, I would probably change to that. <laughs> I, uh, I prefer to have rock, rock lights uh-huh. and, and maybe running lights. Um, I, I don't need to know what's in front of me unless of course I'm moving at a fast rate of speed. And then, then I'll light that LED up. Well, see, I uh, as, just as a kid, I was always interested in flashlights and uh, uh, watches. 
So if I could buy me a flashlight and shine it in people's faces, I was as happy as little uh, <laughs> six-year-old you, you could imagine. So uh, I just uh, I just love the lights. So I noticed that uh, you didn't really have a lot of lights on there, but yeah, of course. If uh, I mean you're you're actually talking about uh, going out and doing things, and you know how much light you need, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think I would probably be riding around just. Uh, <laughs> I've grown up a little bit since I was six. I don't think I'd be riding around with uh, the 44 inch light on, uh, although it'd be handy for recoveries, uh, or, uh, a lot of the reasons why I like having it is, uh, if the, if the weather's real bad, like, uh, uh, with, uh, the, some of the storms we have through here, tropical depressions and, and hurricanes. And with the additional light, it might enable me to see down power lines or, uh, something that I may not normally see. And, uh, and besides that, it's just damn bright and fun. So. <laughs> I just noticed. Yeah, I agree with you. It, if I was on the street, I probably would take advantage of that. Um, you know, it seems like everybody's producing them now, and, and we're installing a lot of them right now, and, and uh, everybody has them. Um, and there's a, there's a place for them, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, go trail riding enough, and, you'll, and if you have a rearview mirror, you'll, you'll, you'll understand <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> and you get the sunburn on the back of your neck just from a night. Yeah. Then, you know, you're, you know, you don't have a problem. <laughs> I don't even need to turn my led on for some of the people behind me. They, no, they're lighting up the trail for me. I can imagine you just, uh, just <laughs> go left or right to see, uh, look, see what's up ahead three miles. Yeah. The led lighting <laughs> is just amazing. The technology there is just amazing. And, uh, I'm looking forward to the, the next level, which I think is going to be a uh, quantum dots. And uh, <laughs> the quantum dots. <laughs> have you heard about the quantum dots? It's a. Uh, it's just amazing. No, I haven't. Are you making this up? No, no, no. It's uh It's uh These little things that uh, you put a little light into them, and they sh- they make more light coming out. The, it's it's kind of like a uh, 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 breaking the law of physics. Uh, so, uh, but but that's that's been out for a few years. Uh, but I haven't seen anybody actually produce anything with them yet. You just uh, you kind of you kind of paint it on to an LED. And then the quantum dot uh, actually puts out more light than the LED uh, puts into it. But you, it's like a light amplification thing. So yeah, it's a, there's a, a, another layer coming. Uh, I haven't read anything about it. I just remember reading about the uh, the quantum dot thing a few years ago, and I, I don't, I, I still don't think they fully understand why it uh, it does what it does. But that's the fun thing with science. You don't always have to uh, understand it to to make it work. Um, so uh, it'll be wow. it, yeah it, it'll be see, it'll be interesting to see what they come out with as far as lights goes. Pretty soon we're going to understand why the UFOs lights are so bright and uh, <laughs> sure quantum dots that's exactly <laughs> what. <laughs> All right, Dean. Now, now you mentioned uh, your YouTube channel earlier. Uh, where can people go? Where pe- where can people find that? Obviously on YouTube, but what's the little bit behind the YouTube.com that they need to look for? Uh, I think it's youtube.com and then the user is J Dean Murray. Um, but you know, if you go to the search column for them and just put in Dean Murray, M U R R A Y, uh, Cherokee, um, that there's really not a lot of Dean Murray's with Cherokees running around YouTube nowadays. Um, you'll see my channel and it's devoted strictly to my Cherokee. There's no other videos of, of me playing basketball or, uh, you know, (laughs) Anything like that, you know, and I find it, uh, I, I try to make it entertaining, informative. Sometimes I go on a little too much, but that's what the, uh, fast forward buttons for. So, right. uh, you know, if you like it, show up, you know, uh, you know, like, like we all do show a little support, 
I intend on uh, contributing uh, a lot more to it. You know, I've, you know, life gets in the way sometimes of, of me doing what it is I want to do. I think everybody. Um, but, you know, I have literally planned out in front of me uh, nine other videos, in, in really deeply informative videos that I need to do. And one's coming here uh, within the next month. So, uh, you know, if you get a chance, stop on by. Oh, good. You know, when I went over there to uh, to your YouTube site because I was uh, trying to figure out a way to get a hold of you to, to do this interview, I saw that there hadn't been any videos there in a while. And I went, oh, my God, I hope he didn't lose interest in his Jeep. And now he doesn't have his Jeep or something tragic happened to his Jeep. And uh, so I was real happy whenever uh, whenever I did contact you that uh, contacted you that, that that wasn't the case. You've just been busy with other things. And, and uh, yep, sure enough, uh, Dean does know his, uh, his YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash user slash J Dean Murray. And uh, I don't know if everybody knows how to spell Murray, but that's with two R's. So M-U-R-R-A-Y. Now, uh, Dean, are you on the Twitter? Are you on the Facebook? Do you do any of that other social media stuff that the kids love so much these days? You know, I do. Um, my my Facebook channel is kind of really just devoted to my own personal life. There's really nothing there to see as far as my Cherokees related. Uh, I do have a um, a Instagram page for my Cherokee. Uh, it's just under custom Jeep Cherokee. Uh, you know, and I I just started that recently, so it's just kind of to separate my personal life from the Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I I find that in in the world of off-roading, if you could just get to the, to the, to the beef of it all, I just want to see your rig. I don't want to see you, (laughs) you know, eating dinner and what you had for breakfast. Um, so that's why I've separated these. Uh, I do have my blog as well. Um, that's, uh, Dino Murray, D E A N, uh, Murray, M U R R A Y, uh, dot blogspot.com. That has a wealth of information, um, with a table of contents on it. Uh, and I've basically, um, just uh, every, every single item is on there. So, uh, if you can't find it, you know, feel free to, uh, email me, which is also on that blog. Uh, and you know, I'll be more than happy to, um, to answer any and all questions. You know, part of the reason why I, I have this YouTube channel is to help inspire others to, uh, to uh, understand the possibilities uh, with their Jeep, uh, with whatever off-road machine they have. You know, have a vision. Um, know that, you know, that what you can do is limitless, and, and, and don't, be a, don't be afraid to attack what you seem, you know, to believe would be the impossible. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's part of it. You know, I, I also want to uh, kind of log my own videos for my own personal, uh, you know, uh, life story so down the line i remember what i owned yeah it's, um, it's a great but, scrapbook uh, too it gives you a time frame on yeah. when you did what is, is another nice thing um yeah so, and that way i can remember what i looked like when i was young <laughs> <laughs> so i gotta i gotta ask people are going to go to your your blogspot.com uh the the dino murray.blogspot.com they're going to go there and they're going to see in the the very top where uh, a big a black and white sign that says unavailable for comment so what's that all about? I mean, are you going to be changing your name to Madonna or Cher or something? Because that just uh... <laughs> yeah, you know, I I um I just I just got a play on words. You know, I'm out having fun, and uh, I, I guess that's just how it started. I, I I haven't had a chance to change it, and 
uh, why change it at this point? You know, <laughs> I, I'm not unavailable for comment. I don't think I've ever not answered a YouTube comment or not answered an email. Uh, it's kind of a passion of mine, and and I love sharing this this information with others. So uh, please don't take that the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd better mention that because if people show up, show up over there and they go, "Well, I just heard this interview with a friendly Dean Murray, and now he's unavailable for comment. What happened? What did I do? Was it me? Is it you? I don't know." So. Uh, so guys, it's just a joke. Uh, when you go there, uh, just scroll on past that and move on down. You'll see uh, lots of uh, Dean's uh, YouTube videos there, where you can just hit play right on the the blog site. Uh, there's even a a very nice xjtalk uh, xjtalk.com uh, post, and uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, of course, all, just all kinds of stuff here. Oh yeah, and, and you could even see how Dean uh, got rid of that unsightly. Uh, license plate uh, holder in the uh, on the rear hatch. Uh, nice smooth oh, yeah, yeah. external na- ex- exterior now. <laughs> yeah, that's something I'm still finishing up now. So that'll be another video. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, uh, that rear hatch project is something uh, that's it's it's being finalized as we speak. Yeah, people are going to look at that and go, "Wait, something doesn't look right there. There was supposed to be something there." So, yeah, that's great. Well, you're lucky because you got the 99 and it's metal. Otherwise, you'd be doing fiberglass work. Oh, I tell you, when I said earlier that I was fortunate enough to get this this platform with the Jeep, uh, I meant it. Um, and uh, I really do. I think that every aspect of this, uh, I almost feel like I was, you know, beyond lucky to, to get this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a shame. I know I, I, <laughs> I catch a lot of uh, rolled eyes when I say it. But uh, the 97 pluses, oh, gee, I'm just, just really happy. That's when I got a Cherokee because uh, there was a lot of things about the earlier ones, the the, the uh, 27 spline uh, Chrysler 8 and a quarters, the, um, the fiberglass uh, rear doors, a lot of things that were, I think, improved upon uh, when they went to the 97 uh, plus design. And, of course, they screwed it up in 2000, but uh, that's, that's, that's another interview. Uh, <laughs> all right, Dean, thanks a lot. Uh, was there anything else that you want to drop in here before we wrap it up? Hey, you know, Tony, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, I know we spoke a, a little while back when I was in Alabama about uh, possibly coming on and doing an interview, and, and I look forward to it uh, from the moment that we mentioned it until now. And I, I wanted to say to you, you have a great program. Uh, I, I, you know, I frequent it as often as I can, uh, and I really do appreciate the opportunity to be a part of it. Oh, well, no. I mean, with all the... Uh, time and effort that you put in your Cherokee, we'd be silly not to have you on here and at least uh, uh, introduce this to people that have uh, no idea of what you've done here. We've got to get uh, the folks over there looking at your stuff because it's just a lot of fun to see. And in fact, I've uh, Dean has told me a num- number of times since he's only about an hour and a half uh, driving time from me now, uh, it's for me to drive up and go uh, off road with him. And uh, you know, I'd love to meet you, Dean, but also too, I want to uh, put my my grubby little hands all over your Cherokee. So and and look and and uh, look under things and around and all kinds of crap. So uh, we're going to have to do that really soon. Um, oh, uh, I did want to uh, uh, get you to mention uh, where you're working and because uh, there are some people in Texas uh, that listen to us and they might want to come over there and get some work done. What's that uh, that place that you, uh, you you're doing all the customs at? Yeah, the place is called Texas Fleet Outfitters. It's in Bryan, Texas. We're opening a new establishment here, uh, a freestanding building with six bays, an alignment uh, machine. We're going to have, you know, we do everything from custom bed liners to, to rock, you know, to lifts from Rockcrawler and, and BDS and Fabtech, all, all of the amazing companies. 
you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm there six days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be more than happy to, uh, to sit down and talk shop with anybody. Uh, come on by and give us a, you know, a visit. And I would assume you're, you're not just doing Jeeps. It's the whole gambit of the off-road vehicles. Yeah. The, the Texas, uh, outfitting, the truck outfitters part of it is, you know, uh, you know, a lot of these oil rigs and, and a lot of these commercial accounts, um, you know, we supply them with everything from transfer tanks and toolboxes and things to get them to, you know, be able to do their job correctly. Uh, and then we have, we're fortunate enough to, uh, to install some high end lifts and, and 37 inch tires and, you know, everything that's fun as well. Wow. It sounds like a, a dream job. Well, Dean, thanks a lot for being with us tonight and uh, hope to see you on the trails here real soon. And, uh, well, I don't know, uh, on the site, on the YouTube channel, and uh, this great stuff. You know, I appreciate it, Tony. That's very nice of you, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. All right. Have a, uh, have a great evening. Likewise.